Love Talk Radio. Welcome, Truth Seekers. You're listening to Turn It Up, a brand new show featured on A Measure of Truth on blogtalkradio.com. Turn It Up is all about independent recording artists of all kinds, R&B, rap, jazz, soul, gospel, even country. But the primary reason for Turn It Up is to feature and help independent artists that take it to the next level by showcasing new music, sharing studio recording tips and tricks, to help your tracks stand out like the pros and industry information to help you choose the right path and keep you in the game. Every week we bring you new artists, industry insiders, and fresh new tracks that you won't be able to hear anywhere else. The truth is, if you're an independent artist trying to make it in the music biz, you need all the help you can get. So let's stop playing. Get your demos together and get ready to turn it up. If you just click the link on my webpage or you're listening on blogtalkradio.com or even the Blog Talk Radio player on my Facebook page and you want to call in live, look, we'd love to talk with you. So give us a call. Here's the number, 347-326-9470. Hope you like, you can Twitter me your questions and comments at twitter.com slash a measure of truth. Also, if you haven't yet, why don't you look me up on Facebook? I'm the Michael Fordham with a photo of me in studio, and you can always email me your questions and comments at a measure of truth at gmail.com.
After being presented with a set of drums at the age of eight, the writing was on the wall for what laid ahead in Milton's future. A skilled musician, Milton would prove to be at a young age, having his first professional performance at 14 years old. Milton has worked and performed with acclaimed musicians Chuck Brown, Stevie Wonder, Najee, Walter Beasley, Lonnie Law, Shantae Moore, Kenny Lattimore, Jodeci, Stimulus, Sheila E., and the late, legendary Wilton Felder, among others. Milton Smith, welcome to Turn It Up. Hello. Hello, everyone. Milton Smith here. Michael, thank you so much for this great opportunity, man, to uh, converse and and share uh, a lifelong experience I've had with so many uh, wonderful people that are tuned in. Thank you again, man, for this opportunity. Oh, you're welcome, man. It's really good to have you on. You know, um, I think I somehow missed meeting you the night that I went to see NWO. Yeah, uh, let me, I, I don't know what happened there, but uh, I heard so much about you. I felt like like I did meet you because you've been, <laughs> a, you've been topic of conversation since that night. Wow. <laughs> but I, I, I'm I'm so thankful, man. I've heard wonderful things about you and especially uh Turn It Up Radio, man. It's it's a great thing that you're doing and I, I thank you so much, man, from my heart for allowing me to be a part of this great privilege. Well, and, and thanks to Lenny, too, because he still hooked up the interview, and that's what I wanted. I, I told him before when we had him on the show that I definitely wanted to uh, meet you and have you on the show. And just, you know, first of all, you know, I was shocked to see a guy singing like you were singing, playing the drums. That's hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when, when you've been doing it as long as I have, it's uh, it, you get used to it. It it took a little while, but it was uh it was something I started off doing from uh eight years old, playing and singing, even though I was now not singing as a front man, but I would always mm-hmm. sing even even with the vocalist while I was playing. So I didn't even know what I was doing. <laughs> it's just something wow. I love to do. Yeah. Now, who gets a drum set at the age of eight? I mean was your father a musician as well? I mean, you think about it. Most kids are going to make a whole lot of noise, and it's going to be a while before you get anything that you can bear out of an eight-year-old on a drum set. I, my father was, yes, he was a guitarist. My mother was a vocalist, dancer. But uh, honestly, uh, Michael, we were uh, very poor, very, very poor. But I had a music teacher. Um, who saw my gift in music? He was a drummer as mm. well, but but I was in elementary school for saxophone, so I was playing saxophone. And uh, one day we were having a conversation, and he was just saying how much he loved drums, and he is a drummer. And I told him that I was a drummer, and I loved drums, and I had never really played any drums professional. He was like, "Oh, okay." I'm going to bring my drums and I want to see what you can do. He brought them in, probably, I don't know, it was about a month or something. It was it was a little while later. And he played and then he let me play. And I went from drums, I mean, from saxophone to the school drummer. 
and uh, it's been uh, that kind of role since then. You know, that's that's quite a transition. You know, you see people go from, you know, other reed instruments to, you know, finding one in their range, and you see people even pick up, you know, the flute from playing, you know, um, something like saxophone or another reed instrument. But, you know, going to drums, that's quite a transition. What was it that made you understand that it was about the rhythm for you? I never forgot. I was a kid and I was at a family cookout. My uh, cousin was playing drums. My father was playing guitar and I was just sitting there looking, watching and listening and enjoying myself. And they took a break and went to the store. When they left to go to the store, I sat down on a drum. And I played exactly what I heard him play. Now, I didn't know what I had done, but the people standing around realized that I was playing what my cousin, who had been playing for years, and that's when I realized that I must have some kind of knack for this drum thing. So every time I got a chance to sit down on the drums with my cousin or he would let me play, I did, and, and I thought about it all the time. All mm-hmm. the time. But as I mentioned, we were we were just too poor, man, to afford a set of drums. My music teacher knew that. So what he did was he went around to all of the teachers in the school, and he, I guess he explained my circumstances, but he also explained to them that he felt that I had a future. So on my uh, graduation, sixth grade graduation, he opened up the curtain. Everyone else got a little sixth-grade diploma. He said, oh, here's your diploma. Oh, by the way, I have something else I forgot. Let me get it. He opened the curtain. There was a set of drums. And I, I'm so naive. I was like, can I take those home? <laughs> he was like, yeah, <laughs> they're, they're yours, Milton. Matter of fact, I'm going to put them in my car, and I'll take them home for you. And wow. I played every, every day. I play those drums every day. I still you know, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing how everyone sort of recognized your talent right away. And for you, it was just something you did. And you, I don't know if you were as keen and understanding how talented you were, but people just kept showing you that it was a gift that you needed to do something with. Yes. Yes. Now, I, you, I'm so thankful for it. I'm sorry, Mike. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, you play other instruments as well, though. Um, you still play keyboards and other things as yes. well, right? Yes, so, I play so, keyboards. I, I play guitar. I, I still mess around. It's been a while since I played the sax. I did continue to play sax all the way through school, through high school, because I, I felt like I just wanted to know more about instruments because I love I love music. And I play by ear. My father played by ear. I have a brother. Well, I had a brother. He played by ear. And um, it it was just that music was all through the family. So if you saw an instrument laying around, you pick it up and you play it. And, and it was self-taught. All of the instruments, I was self-taught. But music, wow. music taught was training was uh, the saxophone. So... Did you ever learn to read music? Only sax, only saxophone. So I was wow. able to take the 
saxophone music that I learned and transfer that into a keyboard. But it's only the basics, like a, a A or G or major chord or minor chord. It, it was only the basics. I don't know my theory, or, but I can tell you if it's incorrect. <laughs> I can tell right, you if right. the chord is incorrect, but I, I don't know uh, my theory. Like a lot of the a lot of the young kids now, they know theory, and they are mm-hmm. very very advanced in in their playing. Now, so you've learned to play by ear, and it's interesting because it's funny. You're sort of falling into this story I tell all the time. I had a friend of mine who played piano, um, and he could play some amazing, crazy chords. And uh, in my music theory class, by the end of our six weeks, this guy was not the same musician he was before. And in my opinion, he wasn't as good. Wow. He wasn't able to do what he did before. He would just pull something out of the air, it seemed like to me, and just make music. And um, it, it used to just freak me out that he was so talented in that way. And um, we would often play together. I, I play baritone in symphonic band, so I know a little bit about music, but I'm not talented. <laughs> I mean, I'm just a guy <laughs> who kind of got by and did what he had to do, did the marching band thing and all of that and symphonic band. But So I, I do love music, though. Um, but, you know, it, it always intrigued me, people who knew how to play by ear, you know. Um, and, and, of course, um Stevie Wonder plays by ear. You know, we, we don't think about a lot of other artists out there that have um, had this talent ingrained in them and they can just pick it up and express their gift in any form or fashion they want. And and that's just, that's just awesome. Yeah. I remember uh, years ago, a very popular musician made a statement on the radio that if you couldn't read, that he didn't have any time for you. <laughs> and I'm so glad at that time that they didn't have Facebook and, and all of this social media. <laughs> but he, oh said it on the red, he said it on the radio. And I think that statement, all of the musicians that were successful at that time came forward to let people know you do not have to know how to read. Feel the music. If you can feel it and you have time to sit down and learn that craft on your own or what you feel, that's more important than reading it. Because if you can't feel it, the music doesn't do anything. Yeah, and that's true. For some people, they're very good at following instructions and learning the system and understanding it. But... um and that's another reason why I, you know, admire jazz musicians so much because they live, eat, and breathe that music. And, you know, it's all in them, you know, and there seems to be an order to their lives that reflects their music as well. And, um, but then there are people who just have it, you know, and, and that's, yeah. that's really awesome as well because that, that's pure talent. No one had to put that in you. It just comes out. Yeah. And what you hear, you're able to replicate. So that's just phenomenal stuff. 
And just tell us a little bit about your career. Um, you came up and you were performing professionally from 14 years old. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> tell us about that. I, I was, um, as I mentioned, I, I had been playing around town with a lot of the little local bands. Um, and uh, I, I don't even recall a gentleman by the name of Joe Quarterman, Sir Joe and the Free Soul, had gotten my information about me playing. He heard that I played drums. I was still in, I was in middle school. He heard that I played drums, and he was looking for a drummer. So he, he called and wanted to know if I was interested in auditioning. Um, and I say this all the time. I was so naive, Michael. I audition, I don't know what that is. You know, sure, I'll do it. To play in a band, yes, I will. <laughs> so he called and he picked me up. I went to his house. When I got to his house, I noticed that he had gold records and things on his wall. And I'm thinking, oh, this guy's he's a big timer here. So I did audition. I, I played. He played a couple of his uh, records that he had had out. And he asked me to play a couple of what I heard on it, and I did. Right away, he um, was amazed by how I was able to grasp what he had just played for me. And uh, he asked me if I would be interested in playing with him. I did not know at the time that he was about to sign a new recording contract. And I, wow. uh, I, I did accept the offer. And a recording contract came with it. Of course, my parents, my mom had to sign the, the contract because I was, I was only 14. And uh, it allowed me uh, a lot of experience in the studio. But unfortunately, the downside was I was missing a lot of days from school because mm -hmm. I would have to go, go out and travel. And um, then the, uh, the county got involved, and I had to get a... Uh, tutor and have uh, classes or, or material given to me while I was out on the road, and he became my uh, legal guardian, the manager of the band. So things worked out, but 14, yes, I was playing on shows with uh, Sly and the Family Stone, Tower Power, Earth, Wind, and Fire, because wow. the, the group I was with, we had a recording contract so we got on got to uh, perform with a lot of major artists but it was like a kid in a candy store when I could go to school I went to school and I was just like the regular kids I didn't know <laughs> I, I didn't know that someone had saw me on some big stage somewhere I was just in school enjoying school and my friends I, uh, I, I when I think about that I, I feel sorry for Michael and young artists like that who didn't have that that privilege to to still be Michael and be a celebrity and and you know and and hang out with his buddies, but I, I see right. what a great privilege what a great privilege it was because it kept me grounded. I felt like I know I know another kid who just loved playing drums. I hope I'm not talking too much. <laughs> Oh, no, not at all, not at all. Um, you made a really good point, because I often think about that as well, especially people who come into this industry too soon. 
because they're talented at a certain level, but it doesn't necessarily mean that their mental state is. And um, yeah. if you don't have the proper guidance and if you, you don't come up the right way, um, this industry, the entertainment industry as a whole can eat you alive. And you find that a lot with a lot of um, young people who were child actors, um, you know, mm-hmm. they sort of have a meltdown after puberty and, you know, mm-hmm. become unhinged. So, yeah, yeah, I, I definitely hear what you're saying. Um now you've had the opportunity to work with um, Chuck Brown, um, Stevie Wonder, Najee, Walter Beasley, Ronnie Laws, uh, Shantae Moore, Kenny Lattimore, Joe DeCee, Stimulus, Sheila E. I'm sure I'm missing a few. Um, Wilton Felder. Just tell us a little bit about you. So if you work with all of these people. <laughs> um, you must have stayed on the road quite a bit. I did. I, I did. I, I stayed on quite a bit. It was either studio or touring or spend a lot of hours away and um, away from family, away from friends. But it, it was something that I loved to do. Mm-hmm. And um, I focused on what I was to do. And a lot of people... They get it mixed up, Michael. They 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 think that because they're doing all of this, that they are more than who they are. If I'm mm-hmm. making any sense, they oh, get yeah. involved with 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 certain things that are really not good for them. But I think I my blessing was being a child. I always looked up to the grown ups around me and respect them so much that if they said something, it it wasn't a blur. It was uh, respect. I, I heard what they said, and I took what they said, and I applied it. Uh, for an example, I didn't use any kind of substance when I got tired to make the session or to make the next gig. I rest when I was supposed to rest. I got up when I was supposed to get up. And if I was tired, I I would do what I had to do. I never relied on any kind of substance for anything. And I think that had a lot to do with the relationship that I had with the musicians because I respect them as who they were. I realized my role was to um, contribute to what they needed, to play drums and contribute to the sound of the band. I wasn't there because I was the great one. I was there to support, and I always took that role to this day. A supportive role is so important to me because I know that I have to assist everyone around me, sax, trumpet, especially the lead vocalist. If he wants something broken down to a soft whisper, I have to be paying attention. I have to be on my job to realize that it's about supporting. The biggest experience I had is, Stevie Wonder. Mm-hmm. It was a recording session. Stevie had brought in a new machine, and no one knew how to work it. We spent about seven hours, and Stevie never said one negative thing. The only thing he said was, I think it was about six hours, hey, hey you learned how to turn it on yet? And everybody just died laughing. 
That was the only thing he said. That mm. guy is the most positive gentleman mm. I have ever had the pleasure of being around in my life, to be such a – you know, Stevie Wonder, you got this icon sitting around waiting for you to do <coughs> up his music and material. Mm-hmm. Seven hours? Do you <laughs> – you realize what you have done in seven hours for a musician mm. like Stevie, and that's all he had to say. That was the biggest lesson I had ever learned about kindness and humility, no matter who you are, the importance of having it. Wow. That's an awesome story. You know, we are deep into the show already, like 25 minutes in, oh. and we haven't played any music yet. So <laughs> I'm going to start with... Um, Slipping Away, and okay. uh, just tell us a little bit about this track, and um, we'll come back and talk with you a little bit more afterwards. Slipping Away was presented to me by a young gentleman who was a very good writer at the time. Um, I, I kind of was looking for a new, a new avenue. Uh, Lenny and I were trying to do a, a group sound, because for most of my career, it's been solo, but we were trying to do a group sound and something that had all the elements of horns and a real live sound. And when the gentleman presented that, Lenny automatically heard the horns. He heard the arrangement. Mm. So I said, well, let's, let's give it a shot. And once we went in and started recording it, it just, it, it just really started to come together. And um, I, I think a lot of the songs on that particular CD, that the group was called Crush at the time. Right. A lot of the songs, a lot of the songs on that CD, is all music. We didn't want to do any sequencing. We just wanted to do live, let everybody express their feelings. And this is one of the tunes that we came up with, "Slipping Away." All right, here it is, Michael Smith. NWO. Oh, well, it's actually crushed now, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's slipping it's away. In, it's, yes, it's crushed at that time. All right. <laughs> Like me, need someone just like you. 
fortunately, we saw this a few years ago and decided, hey, let's let's do this now before things get too big. I, and I really love the NWO. That's how NWO came up. We just wanted something, something a little kinder and softer and, and uh, universal. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, but it's you know, still a um, same musician. Well, I'm sorry, Mike. I didn't mean to cut you off. <clears throat> oh, no, no. Not at all. Not at all. I was just thinking to myself, um, we would be remiss if we didn't mention your um, your time with um, Chuck Brown, to the, the late, great Chuck Brown. Tell us about oh. that. I mean, because he's, he's a local. And, um, yeah, you work with a, a number of different people who are Greats and locals as well, but you know, he he's ours. <laughs> so Chuck, tell us a little bit about. Chuck. Chuck. Oh man, Chuck was Chuck was my my father, and I, I can't explain it any other way. Chuck saw me at uh, twelve years old, and he would sneak me into some of his shows. They used to call them cabarets. He would yeah. sneak me in having had me sit behind his drummer, and I would sit there, and he said, son, don't you move. Let the people get a little drunk, then you can come out front. <laughs> so I would, I, would sit behind, I would sit behind the drummer until the people got drunk, then I could go out and listen from, from the front. So I got, I got both perspectives, from behind the drum and from out front. Right. I did not know that this guy was teaching me my responsibility as a drummer. And oh. he he did things in such a ingenious way that it, it I just we would be all day just talking about it. But Chuck was teaching me how I am to play the drums. He always say keep it in the pocket, keep it in the pocket. Mm-hmm. I learned what the pocket was when I started playing with Chuck. When you play something you hold it right there until he tells you to move. When he mm. tells you to move, then he's getting ready to make a transition into something else. The mm. guy was phenomenal. Phenomenal right. guy. Right. Trainer, right. teacher, one of the most respected men throughout the country, everywhere we went. He mm. got the red carpet in respect because he gave respect to everybody. Never ego. I never saw him one time step out with an ego. But if you did anything to his band, if you disrespect the band, then you would see his side that he didn't he didn't like. But he was the mm. most kind, kindest person that you would ever want to know. And he was another one who loved loved his music. Loved his music. Yeah, and I a think, phenomenal band leader. Oh, no question. What he would teach to the young guys is when he talked with other musicians, he would teach them how to treat members in the band. That's how mm. you keep a band. That's how you keep a band together, son. You treat right. your musicians with respect. And mm. he did that. He was an example of his work. Wow, that's amazing. And you know, it's interesting. Oh, no, no. Go ahead and tell your story, and then I'll make my point after. (laughs) 
think we lost him. Oh, wow. Hope he understands that he needs to call back in. So what we'll do is while he's figuring out that he's no longer connected, we'll go ahead and play another track and we'll get right back at it. Okay, are you back? Oh, man. Yes, man, I'm so oh. sorry. I don't I have no idea what happened, Mike. That, that's man, all right. I'm so sorry. But I, no I problem. Saying, yeah. Chuck didn't Chuck didn't like to fly. You you, you know. you there, I'm Mike? sorry, go ahead. Yeah. You you remember how they did Mr. T how they would give him milk and put something before him to go to sleep at? That's how we would get Chuck to fly. So we 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 were in London, and uh, we were flying. We were doing a tour. So we were standing. Everybody was standing around. We got off one flight, got on the other. Everybody was standing around. Where's Chuck? Where's Chuck? Where's Chuck? Nobody knew where Chuck was. So we look. We're standing up. And it just imagine you're standing up about twenty feet, and you're looking down on the on the ground. There's this guy rolling his cart out and you look close there's this person balled up in a fetal position they had put Chef Brown on a cart and was rolling him from one plane to the next plane because he was knocked out from <laughs> from a oh, uh, wow. whatever they gave him so he could sleep because he would not fly he was scared to fly that is one of the most funniest stories I remember about him. I don't mean to burn up your time, but that <laughs> every time I think about some of my experience, that one comes to to mind. But I just had to share that. I, I know people didn't know Chuck didn't like the right, <laughs> right. That's interesting. You know <laughs> what I was trying to get to is one of the similarities that. Um, I find in Go-Go as well as um, a lot of different bands, you guys, even your jazz bands, you have a language, you have a way to communicate, you know what's going on in the music, you signal one another, you you know hear something and then you know when to stay on it and everybody else feels it too and someone gives that nod or gives that look or something happens or even it's the way that you play that next phrase lets everyone know that, yeah, this is where we want to be right now. And you talked about the pocket before. And um, and I realized that, you know, Chuck will put it in the music, whatever he needs you guys to do. And uh, that was that's common in go-go and it's common in jazz and it's common in music. So just tell us a little bit about that, that, that second language there. Well, it's generally with, with any group, you – a leader has his has his language, his his way of communicating. Chuck's way of communicating was he would do a certain thing with his guitar mm. when he was about to make a transition. It's a certain way he would shake his guitar. Or mm. he he would give us a cue. He would play a quick line from the next song 
he would play it and he would play it in the key of where we are. But the next song may not even be in that key, but he would play that line oh. in the key. Wow. So he played a line and and if you follow him, then there's a hand signal he does. He do the guitar, he shakes the guitar a certain way, and then when he throw his hand up, that's your one. So the hand mm. goes up as one, two, three, four. Then it's to the to the lick, or either it's to the next song. Mm. And it, it was very ingenious how he did it. But he would always Chuck always knew when it was time to get out of one song into another because he could see and read the audience. Yes. Great, great sense of reading. He could read the mm-hmm. audience and tell this song is being played too long. Either he would notice the people, the floors kind of thinning out or something he would know. He could mm-hmm. just feel when it was time to make that transition and he would, he would give that signal and we would go to the next song. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, he definitely could work the crowd. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, man, I got all these tracks I was going to play, and we've been sitting here talking. <laughs> you know, we haven't even got to the one you asked me to make sure we play this one. So <laughs> why don't you just tell me a little bit about you and I, and we'll go ahead and play that, and we'll come back and we'll chat some more. Okay. You and I was done, again, by uh, – a uh, friend of mine who's a great producer, writer, engineer, and um, he wrote it for a jazz album that he has coming out. And he called me up. He said, Milton, I've heard you sing this song a dozen times. It would do me justice if you came and sung on this song for me. And then I can have vocal and I can have some piano on it. And I went over, I sung it. And I was thinking while we were doing I said, you know what? This has never been done as a duet. He also has a female vocalist that he's producing. So he said, well, let's call her up. So she came in. Her name is Tamika. We call her Mimi. She came in, and we shared the vocals on it. And everybody who's heard it before it's even been released are impressed by the, the ingenious design to do it as a duet because no one has ever done it. That's a duet. Mm. But he, wow. he did a great job on the arrangement. Lenny took it in and added the horns and some other things we added to it. But it was all produced and arranged by a gentleman by the name of Paul Walker. Wow. So here it is. NWO with you and I on Turn It Up.
singing from behind the drum. I, I, um, I've tried singing out front with someone else on drums. It's not that they're not good drummers. I don't feel comfortable out front. I feel more comfortable behind the drum singing. It's like that's my comfort zone. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I know because I guess in, in your mind, even though you're out front, you hear someone else playing drums, you know your interpretation. And you know it's not being yeah. represented, and uh, yeah, yeah that, that can kind of bog you down in what you're trying to do and what you're trying to focus <laughs> on when you're like, oh man, he could have used that a little different, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, um, and we got to talk a little bit about the event coming up as well. I mean, we got to make sure okay. we get the promotion stuff in there too, and we got a little time okay. left, but man. 
speaking of people who can sing and play drums, uh, you you work with Sheila E. And I have seen her in concert. And, oh, man, not only is she very talented, um, her skill set on the drums is just phenomenal. I actually yeah. saw her in the midst of a solo, bounce sticks off the floor and continue mm-hmm. to play as they came back uh-huh. up in the air. And I lost my mind. The whole audience, they <laughs> lost their mind about that, you know? Yeah. Because, you know, it was almost as if until you see it in person, you really don't know how good she is. And it just totally blew me away. Tell us a little bit so about right. that. Um, did you learn anything from someone else who actually performs as well as plays the same instrument as you? I learned, I learned a lot from Sheila because Sheila has a different approach. She has a Latin approach. I have a mm-hmm. pocket. Mm-hmm. Sheila has a Latin approach. And with a Latin approach, it's, it's a lot different. There's a lot of what they call you play on the top. So it's a lot of uh, action going on. And um, I, I tell, I'll be honest with you, man, she, she actually on one tune, she actually had me get up <laughs> and she showed me how it should be played because my really? approach was so, yes, my approach was so different. Her dad, Mr. Pete Escovito was on Congo mm-hmm. and percussion mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he's, he's used to her feel. He's used to the Latin feel and he was playing the percussion and singing and they did, I was supposed to be the drummer, and they were going to be out front singing and doing percussion. But it didn't have that feel. It just didn't have it. So she got on the drums, and she showed me. And what I learned from her in that five minutes that she played that song, I, cannot, I could not tell her the lesson that I learned about approach from a Latin standpoint because it's totally different. It's not the same. It's yeah, not the same. Yeah. Right. The syncopation is totally different, and, and it's driving all the way through. And, all the uh, way. Yes, yeah. And there's a and, lot of and, holes that they won't fill. You know, so they, they you, you don't just play a beat. You have to do right. some rudiment stuff in between the beat to keep that, that Latin feel. Yeah, that's awesome. Wow. But she is a phenomenal, phenomenal drummer. Her vocals are just as equal as her drum playing. Mm. And she is very um, knowledgeable about the music, how to direct, how to direct, how to cue, how to uh, read the audience, how to give the audience what they need. She's very, very good. She's not just a female drummer, singer. She's very talented. Right. So is Shantae Moore. Shantae mm. is, she, Shantae knows her music. She knows how to bring out the best in the people who are around her. And she knows where every little nuance go. If you miss something, Shantae knows that you miss it, but she won't tell you or bust you out in front of everybody. She'll just sneak over to you. Uh, honey, can you... Uh, Right there on that bridge, can you do this like this or do that like that? Um, I know you're new with it, but, you know, just give me a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And no one else knows. She doesn't embarrass you with it. Mm. Very, Uh very professional. 
Very professional yeah. lady. Well, uh, man, that, that's awesome, Amy. We could go on and on and on, and, and I actually want to, but we, we got to do you justice and do the promotion for your next gig as well. <laughs> okay, okay. So tell us a little bit about what you got coming up. And we got a busy month. Lenny is keeping us busy with these artists. Yeah. So tell us about we, what you got coming up. And this performance is going to be at uh, Bethesda Blues and Jazz as well, correct? Yes. On November 22nd, we will be performing at the Jazz, uh, Bethesda Jazz and Blues. You can go online at BethesdaJazzandBlues.com and order tickets. You can get them by seat, uh, tables, uh, four, six, ten at a table, or you can get them individual. On the 28th, the same, uh, I'm sorry, this uh, 27th, Mr. Ronnie Laws would also be on that show. Right. On the 27th at Bethesda Jazz and Blues. On the 28th, Mesa is being featured. That mm. would be at Martin Martin's West in Baltimore on the 28th of uh, November. Then on the 29th, we would be in Delaware with Mr. Ronnie Laws again. So that's uh, NWO and Mr. Ronnie Laws on the 27th, NWO and Ms. Mesa on the 28th at uh, Martin West in uh, Baltimore, and then Delaware on the 29th with Mr. Ronnie Laws. Uh, unfortunately, we did have Mr. Um, Wilton Felder, who we lost a few months ago, and uh, mm-hmm. he would mm-hmm. would have been on all of these shows with us. So we're going to be doing a tribute. Some of oh, the songs good. that he that he does, we're going to do a tribute, Mr. Ronnie Laws, and I'll be singing some of the songs that he recorded with uh, Bobby Womack and a couple other artists. So it, it's really a really nice show that we have planned. It's something for everyone, some reminiscing, memory lane. And if you... Uh, Know anyone in West Palm Beach would be there with Mr. Larry Graham, Ronnie Laws on the 27th <laughs> of December. Wow. So we, we have a little little tour that we're going to be doing through the end of November till the end of uh, December. That's awesome. Larry Graham. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite bass players, Larry oh, Graham. Oh, man. And he's still killing him. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> and that voice too, it's just unbelievably yeah. crisp and rich and yeah, unbelievable. All right. Well, you know, I, I really admire you and you know, all of these awesome artists you've had a chance to actually work with and, you know, develop your craft as well as produce uh, amazing music. So you know, we're, we're looking forward to, you know, following you and um, hearing more from you as well. And, um, you know, you guys have to um, come back on the show. And next time, um, who was the artist that sang with you on this track? Was she? Mimi. Her name is uh, Tamika. Tamika Mai. Okay. Yes. And was she at that same performance? No, she wasn't there. She did the recording, oh, but she will be there on the 27th. Okay. Yeah, we're going to be performing this live, so she'll be there on the 27th, 28th, and hopefully we can get her on the 29th. She has a busy schedule as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Oh, man. Well, you know, Milton, I'm glad we, we made this right, that I was able to get a chance to finally talk with you and to, you know, probe into the life of Milton Smith, who's 
you know, a phenomenal talent and, um, you know, still out there in the industry making it known that he's still got something to give. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Michael, I, I, I truly am grateful for your time and your energy to allow me to bore you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not listeners. at all. Man, thank you, all of your listeners. Man, thank you guys so much. No one is anything without you guys, and never forget that. Uh, whether you buy or just say a kind word about us, it all means the world to us. And we thank you all so much for all the energy that you put into helping these artists who uh, are really deserving of recognition for what they do. But thank you, every one of you. All right, Nelson, and thank you. And uh, we hope to talk with you again real soon. Well, we've just come to the end of another great show. Special thanks to our producer, Don Hardiman, and the man who has his hand on the pulse of the DMV, Lenny Harris. I'm Michael Fordham, and you've been listening to Turn It Up on blogtalkradio.com. But before you go, here's a little something to take with you. Ask God for wisdom daily. But know that your lesson can come from anybody or any situation, good or bad, friend or foe. Watch your thoughts. They become words. And watch your words. They become actions. And watch your actions. They become habits. Watch your habits. They become your character. And watch your character. It becomes your destiny. Until we meet again, take care of what becomes of you.